What's up, hybrids? Welcome back to another episode of the Phantom Hybrid Podcast. This is Hanako, and I'm here with Anthony, Lori, and Mike, and we are discussing the fifth episode of The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. This episode is probably my favorite out of the series, simply because it had everything in this episode. We started out the episode with a lot of action. We have a lot of... um, We have a lot of funny moments in this episode. We have some emotional moments in this episode. We have some long overdue bonding between Bucky and Sam, which I was so excited to see. And we got to see a little bit of Sam's home life as well. So it has some of everything in it. And I just feel like the episode touched on a lot of important themes. It had a lot of kind of important messages interspersed in there but it was i think it was my favorite so far it it also had a lot of callbacks to um to other movies Mm. and and stuff like things that were similar circumstances to especially like iron man Mm. and stuff yes it did kind of cool yeah i think this this is this is probably my second favorite episode i mean there was a lot i I really liked the part where they when he went back home and I love how it showed Sam actually coming to terms with with taking up the mantle, like seeing both halves of it, like seeing one half from Isaiah, then seeing one, then one half with Bucky, Bucky talking to him about about what happened when when Cap talked to him about it. I think that this really shows like his train of thought in why he didn't want to take up the mantle and why it kind of seems like he's going to go ahead and do it. And the and the role that his sister had in in helping him helping him come to terms with the fact that if this is your destiny, this is what you need to go ahead and grab it and take care of it and mm-hmm. do what you need to do. So I really yeah, this is I mean the last episode was was my favorite just because Great Value kept got his ass with with by the door Malage, but I think that this one definitely. But this but I think. That, I'm going to hold off judgment about my real favorite until we see the next episode because the next episode is, is about to be on like hot buttered popcorn and I'm like, can we do it tomorrow? Yeah, I, I think I think we already know the next episode is going to be like probably the highlight for a lot of us, but you know, up to this point, this one is well, I would say this one and the fourth episode were kind of really close as far as being my favorite. I think it was just kind of seeing Sam and Bucky go from this place where they started out as people who didn't like each other. And then by the end of this episode, when we last see them together, you can really feel that there has been a change in the friendship. Like it's not just a friendship between two guys who had a mutual friend, as they stated. They're I think they really are friends now at this point. They have a mutual respect and understanding of each other. And that was one of the things that I really wanted to see happen in the series. And I got it. So that makes this episode my favorite. I like this episode a lot because it had a lot of callbacks. uh, But there was one at the beginning that I thought was really kind of cute. But I think the thing that I like most about this episode is that we really got to see pretty much the beginning of the end of John Walker as far as uh, the effects of taking the serum. We got to see uh, 
Sam really get into some things and my poor knees, every time he would do a little flip and go, my knees, my knees, uh, it was just looked painful. Um, it was, it was a pretty good episode. I wouldn't say it was my favorite. I would say that like you guys, I'm going to reserve judgment until the last one, but I think my favorite episode actually might be the first one. Hmm. Okay. Hmm. Okay. I mean, I, I can see why. I mean, yeah. Well, let's start from the top and go from there because we started out the episode very emotionally heavy and also very action heavy. So the episode starts out with John Walker running from the scene of his crime. And I I would say, even though I do not like this character and I think he was wrong for what he did, I kind of felt for him a little bit at the beginning of this episode because you see him, I, I don't even know, I won't even say he's upset about what he's done, but just seeing him go through the flashbacks in his mind of everything that led up to the point of him killing Nico, you know, and, and he starts talking to himself, you, you, you told me not to do it, you said you didn't want to go in, you know, and he's, he's kind of talking to Lamar, basically saying that the raid that they did on the hideout, Lamar was against it saying, no, we didn't need to do this. And as we've seen throughout the first four episodes, John Walker and Lamar, they seem to have a really good relationship. And when John Walker seems to be kind of moving too fast or kind of going off script, Lamar is the one that kind of reins him in. And it appears that Lamar tried to do this as well with the whole Carly thing, because again, we see that he has really been um, kind of gung-ho. Oh, we need to get this done. We need to get her, blah, blah, blah. I mean, even going to the point of stepping in on Sam and Bucky's investigation or in their mission, trying to step in and kind of overtake what the way that they're doing things. And we see that that hasn't always worked out. So in this instance, Lamar was trying to caution him, hey, we don't need to do this. Don't do this. I don't feel good about this. And John Walker moved forward anyway. And we saw what happened in the last episode. They confronted the flag smashers. Carly and Lamar kind of got into it and Lamar ends up dead because of it. So now you you see where John Walker is feeling a little bit of that guilt. Like I should have listened to you you would have been alive. And then you hear that last conversation that we saw between the two of them where Lamar says, you consistently make good decisions in battle. And you hear that in Lamar's voice, but you see the consequences of that. He, he doesn't make the best decisions because now he made a decision that his best friend didn't agree with. And now the best friend is dead and he sinks to his knees. And like I said, I felt a little bit of sympathy for him in that moment. But he quickly dispelled that when Sam and Bucky walked in and they're trying to reason with him like they're trying to talk some sense into him. I think Sam was trying to extend some grace to John Walker that John Walker did not deserve. You know, it's like you just killed a man in cold blood in the middle of a public street where everybody sees it and they're still trying to extend you some grace hey, there were extenuating circumstances. Maybe if you talk to them and they look at your record, maybe they won't go so hard on you. I don't know if that was them really extending the grace or them just trying to calm him down enough for him to come with them. But when Sam says, John, you got to give me the shield, you can see 
John Walker's face change from kind of being remorseful to, oh, so this is what this is. You just want to take the shield. And like his whole attitude changes. And from that point on, I'm like, you know what? Fuck this dude. I just. (sighs) Yeah. Yeah. I think that the whole thing is like when he was going through it, to me, it kind of seemed like a mix of like whatever PTSD he had from the past mixed with kind of a regret about have, about what he's done. And it's like, he sees the images of Lamar going through his head and he's just like, oh my God. And it's like, he just can't really put, he can't put it together. It's like his mind is fractured. It's like been scattered into a million pieces where he mm-hmm. can't like pull it together. And shout out for the cinematographer for giving us that pose of him kneeling behind the shield. I mean, mm-hmm. they, they could have just transposed that and put it on front of a comic book and it would have mm-hmm. been like, incredibly incredibly dope um i think that this is this goes back to the way that sam reacted to him goes back to the fact that sam is a um is a counselor and he's it seems like he's always in counselor mode like he never he always has you know he, he looks at situations and he's like okay how can i approach this to keep them calm or to get them to see and say what i need them to say so he the things that he said to him were definitely meant to keep him keep him calm and not have him fly off the handle. But he still had he still had a job to do. He still needed to get that shield off of him. So it's like he and Bucky and he Bucky's the perfect partner because Bucky ain't about all that talk. Bucky's about all that action. So Bucky's willing to, Bucky is the guy that will let him say whatever he needs to say. Like go ahead, go ahead and talk him down. See if he'll do it. But if he doesn't do it, I'm gonna come in here. I'm gonna go in there and bust beside his head and take it. So it's like I think that's the whole thing with that. And you know, that was that was a really powerful scene right up until they started fighting. Which as which and again the the fight choreography in this series is top fucking notch. Mm-hmm. From the opening sequence where he's flying and to the Dormalage fight to the fight on top of freaking tractor trailers the fight in the shipyard, like whoever is choreographing and directing these fight sequences is top notch. Like is this one of the things that I really, I have 100% really, really enjoyed about this series. So, yeah. Um, it, it, piggybacking off of something that Hanako said, he uh, he's not going to get any sympathy here. You know, he's not going to get <laughs> any sympathy from this camp over here. Uh, because he, in his conversation with Lamar in the last episode, it, it's, it's kind of obvious and clear that he doesn't feel like he deserved those Medal of Honors. And he even said, you know, the things that they're just reminders of the bad things that we had to do to get them. You know, and and thinking about what Dr. Erskine said about the serum is it makes good better and bad worse. And if you take that to his logical conclusion with John Walker, he's a flawed soldier who has made bad decisions mm-hmm. that has now gotten worse. You know, he's made, he makes even worse decisions than he made before. And I think it was ironic that they put in there Lamar saying, you always make great decisions in times of battle, which we now know that is not the case. Mm-hmm. And 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 he he, he continues. He he has poor judgment skills. 
if I can put it in any kind of term. He just he just has poor judgment skills. And like Mike said, lucky for him, you know, he's got Sam there, Sam trying to be the counselor to the vet. He's trying to talk to him, trying to relate to him, trying to get him to understand. But he is gone. I mean, whatever he had in him that was good and decent is gone because that's what he's not about. He's about trying to live up to what Captain America is in his mind and doing whatever he can to get the job done. And it's all wrong. And he just continues to make those wrong decisions. And the fact that he kept saying that, kept saying that Nico killed Lamar, where Nico had nothing to do with it. Like he was trying to justify the fact that I killed him because he killed my partner. Right. But that's not what happened yeah. at all. Right. So it's almost as if he had such a bad psychotic break that he can't literally associate the fact that he is accusing the wrong person, even though he's been told that that person had nothing to do with it. He just, he just can't get past that. I mean, that's how bad of a psychotic break he's had. I, I think if they showed him video, he still would say that Nico killed Lamar. Yeah. And, but he, and he was even right there so it's yeah. like but yeah and then later on once we once you get later on into his into his hearing and things like that you can see how bad these things are like how bad his mind state is like yeah. he is like i'm just and i feel sorry I, yeah but yeah i feel sorry for his wife when, when they were walking and i was like oh man because she's just like i don't know what the fuck to do right but <laughs> and you know and, and like Mike said shout out to the, the fight choreography because it was incredible but also to to the writers for these one-liners like when, when John Walker says you know y'all don't want to do this and Blakey says yeah we, yeah, do. we do and there's that moment where he's looking off like he was maybe thinking about it and then he's like no yeah that's what we're going to do right <laughs> Uh, yeah, I don't even think Bucky, Bucky was like Yeah, I think too with John Walker, it's gotten to the point where now, you know, Laura, you were talking about his, it seeming like he's gone through a psychotic break to where he's not really seeing things clearly anymore. Also with him in, the, in this first scene, we see he is trying to justify what he's done, but then it's almost like, his mind flips once Sam mentions the shield. When Sam says, you got to give me the shield back. And he's like, oh, this is what this is. I, I see what you guys are doing. And again, he has to consistently, even in this episode, he has to consistently say, I am Captain America. In this scene, he keeps saying, it's mine. The shield is mine. It's mine. It's mine. And I feel like it's gotten to a point where it's not really about him living up to the Captain America mantle or trying to do the right thing for as Captain America. At this point, it's become an ego thing now. It's really a personal thing. He really thinks mm. that S.H.I.E.L.D. belongs to him and he feels entitled to the title of Captain America. Again, it's that, it's the whole, I think we all agree that John Walker in this series kind of sort of represents that whole white privilege thing. And you see it very clearly in this scene. 
he feels like the shield belongs to him. He feels like the title of Captain America belongs to him. And whatever he says is the right thing that he's supposed to do. We even see that later on down the line when he's in his hearing and he's talking to the senators and he's like, you guys, I'm doing what you guys trained me to do. I'm doing what you guys made me do. This is who I am. And it's because this is the way you made me. And even when he talks to his wife later, he says they have no idea what it takes to be Captain America. Well, duh, neither do you. Because at this point, it's not about doing the right thing for him now. It's it's about that ego. It's about feeling entitled to that title and to that shield. And then when he gets challenged by somebody who technically the shield actually belongs to, Captain America gave that shield to Sam. So Sam has every right to ask for it back, especially in light of what has happened with that shield. And he wants to fight for it because he feels like it's it belongs to him. So when, when he said, oh, you guys don't want to do this, and Bucky is like, yeah, we do. I feel like at that point, Bucky had reached the limits of his patience with this man, and he had reached the limits of saying, okay, you know what? You have gone far enough it was bad enough that he was using the shield and he was using cap's name to kind of justify all this bullshit he was doing but now you've killed a man and you're trying to justify it and still holding on to this title and this shield bucky was like you know what i'm done i've had enough and that's when the fight started <laughs> yeah all those times that sam he was like we could just get the shield back and sam was like no and this time, this was the one time Sam didn't say anything. He's like, Sam has finally said, you need to give us a shield bag. Mm -hmm. So Becky's like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, okay. Right. You're going to get it now. Right. Yeah. I'll give Great Value Cap these props that when him and Bucky were fighting, he was he was holding his own against uh -huh. Bucky. I mean, Bucky was like letting out, letting out his frustrations on that shield, like punching and beating the, beating the snot out of it. Well, let's not get it twisted. John Walker is a, is a great soldier. He is, but here's the other thing, too. Bucky was not fighting him with everything he had. Bucky was fighting him as James. He was not fighting him as the Winter Soldier because if he had been fighting in Winter Soldier mode, I don't care what kind of super serum John Walker took, he would have got his ass sure. handed to him. Bucky was holding back. Oh, because oh. this is not that person is not the person Bucky was anymore. I'm so sure. I really feel like the reason why he was able to get, uh, you know, a leg up on the two of them, because, yeah, he he whipped their ass as much as they as much as they whooped his. But I think it was because Bucky was holding back. I don't know. I, I don't know. Sam was getting his ass kicked pretty good. So the difference is he wasn't trying to kill him. He was trying to take the seal, which are two different things. Yeah, but see, I would expect Sam to get his ass kicked because Sam is human. True. Sam does not have any kind of enhancements aside from the suit. So I was expecting Sam to get his ass handed to him because John Walker has the serum. Now, if John Walker hadn't have taken that serum, yeah, no, I don't think that he... I, I, I think Sam would have would have taken yeah. held his own on him. Yeah, I, but, yeah. but the, the thing is, I, can, I, agree with you you, know, I agree with you to a point. I think that Bucky... While Bucky isn't the Winter Soldier anymore, he's proven in this series that he's still he's still a pretty formidable fighter. So I mean, if there aren't many people around that can actually hold their own against Bucky, 
against him because not only does he have the arm, he still is a super soldier. So, I mean, and he mm-hmm. and he still has mm-hmm. over a hundred years of training and things that that he can still draw from. So, I mean, I still think that I think I think Great Value Cap did did a reasonable job. I mean, he he fought him to the point where he he pushed him all the way across the warehouse and made his arm malfunction. Like, I mean, that that right there, I was like, okay, all right, then I see you. I see you, value. But and I mean, even while he was fighting, he was asking, but he was saying, he was screaming at him, saying, Why are you making me do this? Almost like he was saying, Why are you trying to take my dream away from me? Why are you trying to take this thing that I've worked so hard for from me? Like, why are you trying to take it? I've earned this. Why what are you doing? Like he really was putting a lot of anger and frustration towards Bucky at that point. And and literally like put it in and threw him across there and and um and made his arm malfunction. I mean that's not an easy task. Like he threw him across and made a vibranium. It's not, but at the same time, he was fighting to kill. If you look at the blows he was delivering to Bucky and Sam, he tried to hit both of them with the shield several times to the point where if he would have hit them it would have been the same instance as it was with nico that's why i say bucky was not fighting him at full strength or at full you know in in his full capacity because john walker was fighting them to kill them because he felt threatened by them they were trying to take something that he felt rightfully belonged to him sam and bucky were just trying to take the shield that's all it was they weren't trying to hurt him and i mean sam even says this at the beginning we just don't want anyone else to get hurt bucky's whole thing too still thinking about his rule Rule number two he's not gonna hurt him yeah he's not gonna hurt him if he doesn't have to they just wanted to take the shield from him to keep him from hurting anyone else but like you said when john starts saying why are you making me do this why are you making me do this classic narcissist behavior you're blaming someone else for your actions he didn't have to fight them he could have given them the shield he could have thought about what he just did you just murdered a man in front of everybody he could have thought about that when Sam said, you got to give me the shield back. He could have given Sam the shield back. He could have been a stand-up guy like Captain America is supposed to be. Mm-hmm. He could have stood down. He could have gone with them. He could have faced his actions. And maybe, maybe if he had done that, his hearing would have had a different outcome. He may have been able to give them an explanation for what happened and they might've seen things his way, but no, because of his narcissism, because of his ego, because of his sense of entitlement, he went a completely different way and it had a different outcome from him. But no, again, I will stand by this. Bucky was not fighting him with everything he had because if he had, John Walker would be dead, period, point blank. I can see that, but I think think his hearing probably would have still ended the same way because of the optics. I mean, they're not gonna, they don't don't want want him seeing seeing us getting a slap on the wrist for killing somebody in public. Like the world's view of him is like, oh, here we go, Americans overstepping and being and being stupid again. And he's the symbol of America. And it's like they don't they're not gonna want that want that optic going out to the world that they're just gonna go around killing people however they want to kill them. So he he was a he was an unarmed foreign national who no one knew what the guy had done. So it, it looks really, really bad. 
They could have told people that he was a super soldier. He just killed a decorated military veteran, you know, in Lamar. They could the, think about it. This is the government we're talking about. They they twist and turn things all the time. If they really wanted to, they could have tried to spin that in a way that was favorable and not not as detrimental to John Walker's character if they wanted to. If they wanted to. But once you see you can't control him, that, I mean, why, why would they stick their neck out for him? They can't control him now. Okay, I'm just going to say this. Generally, given today's world, once they catch you on tape murdering somebody, it's kind of hard to get out from that. That's all I'm saying. Um, I will disagree with that. And we have all of these white officers who are getting away with killing black people. As an example, how many times have those murders been on tape and those people have gotten away with it? I, if I was they trying really to wanted nice. to say, I know, but I'm just, I'm just saying that if life was fair and I'm not talking about something that's happening in real life, if life was fair, if they catch you on tape, murdering someone, your ass should go to jail. That's all I'm saying. Oh, definitely. I will. I won't disagree with that. At I all. think, but we I know think, for a fact that that does not yeah. happen. I, I think, yeah, you're right. I think that with John Walker, I think his thing is that they could have spun it the way that you had said, but I think that they realize that they have a bigger problem with him because say they let him skate on that. Okay, fine. You can spin it. You know, he was a terrorist, this or that, whatever. But then what happens the next time it happens and the next time and the next time after that, after a while, that becomes a pattern that they really didn't want to go through because he has a loose skirt. I fault the guy that gave him the psych evaluation the first time around. You mean to tell me all those PhDs and no one caught that he was cray cray? There's a problem right then and there. That's the problem. I, I don't know because if you, if we really want to talk about this, we know that whatever psych evaluations that they use aren't real psych evaluations to begin with. Mm. It's like, do you know right from wrong? Yeah. Okay. You're good. I mean, there isn't. Okay, I'll give you that. They don't. They don't look into these guys. Okay, I know we're speaking in generalities here, but they don't really take the time out to really do psych evaluation on these people. Look at what has been happening, you know, in time memoriam over all these unarmed people, black people, white people, just anybody just being killed by police. Children. Children who are supposed to be. You know, they're supposed to be tough guys, but yet I can't call you a bastard without getting thrown to the ground and handcuffed. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm just saying, they, they, I'll, I'll, I'll stop right here. But one of the things I wanted to say was that once again, Marvel has done this thing where they have shown us, you know, how things sort of happen in the real world and kind of give us the context and show us what it looks like. Like you have this decorated soldier mm -hmm. who kills someone on tape in cold blood on screen and he actually got consequences mm -hmm. for it. Now, I mm -hmm. kind of disagree with the consequences because I think the dude should be locked up. How he got out of a court martial, right. I don't know. How he escaped justice from, um, from Brussels or wherever, 
how 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 the International Crime Tribunal, how he escapes all that and not <laughs> anything. I mean, I know I'm, I'm just saying he did get a little bit, but this is equivalent to the slap, slap on the, on the wrist. wrist. Yes. I'm gonna let Mike take and this one. It's, it's I, I won't let it's Mike take this how Marvel, <laughs> It's amazing how Marvel kind of slid that in there and showed you. Yeah, yeah, y'all all have recognized that what he did was kind of wrong. But look what happened. Mm. He's actually walking free, and there's nothing happening to him. He just lost his pension or whatever. I'm going to let Mike hand this one. Mm-hmm. I'm, gonna, I'm not, Mike, I did not pick up my militant hat. It's nope. still over there. Nope. <clears throat> I know why he got out, but I'm going to let Mike hand it. Very... <clears throat> okay. So let's go back. Let's go to that scene. So he, they tell him, you know, because of your record and your medals and your all this shit, we're not going to court martial you. we we'll give you an honorable discharge. Da, 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 da. He goes outside with I no, other than honorable discharge. I said honorable. Other than no, it's an other than honorable. He's not being honorably discharged. Okay. They said we're giving you an other than honorable discharge. Okay. Which is different. Is there is there a difference? This, between there's this, a difference. This, this, yeah. Okay, so he got lower than getting unhonorably discharged. All right. So mm-hmm. after the scene, he goes outside, he sits down, he's talking with his wife. He's like, I don't know what's going on. And then all of a sudden, click, clack, click, clack. This woman shows up. This woman's name is Valentina Allegra de Fontaine. Contessa Valentina. Can I say it? Yes, you may. Madam Hydra! Thank you! So she comes up and she's like, oh, I'm sorry, this is terrible. Da 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 da. I feel so, you know, you should have gotten treated better than that. Then his wife starts talking and she's like, <gasps> so anyway, turns it back on. I'm like, Woman, if you don't snatch that wig off her head right now, respectful bitch. What and disrespectful? Just, and, but, right, but she's she's like, you know, I can help you. I'll give you my card. Call me when I call you. Just pick up the phone. I can help you. Trust me. Da 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 da. And yes, that's Madam. That's Madam Hydra. That is. That means that Hydra's back in. Hydra's back in play now. And, and Julia Louis Dreyfus is playing Madam Hydra. That's fucking awesome. Sorry, I got I got so excited <laughs> when I saw her face when when they went from the boots up to the face, even with the glasses. I said, "Did they get Julia Louis Dreyfus in this show?" And when she pulled the glasses what? off, I said, "What?" I'm telling you, man the 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 casting for these shows and for these films. Oh, I can't wait to see this. And I, I of course, I, I don't know who her character is. So I had to go look her up and I was like, oh, this is going to be so good. Yeah, Anthony, I have a feeling that's probably how he got out of the international hot water. Oh, yeah, that's had me. You got a theory, Anthony? That's a theory hand. I have no, th- I have no theories. I have no theories. I'm saying, let's not get lost in the details. This is is a wonderful thing, you know, for all of us comic book people or whatever. But if you really look at it, this is what happens in real life. These mm-hmm. police officers lose their jobs and they end up going to another mm-hmm. jurisdiction and working mm-hmm. there too. So this is no different. This is true. So just because they, they he, there still is no actual consequences because he's still going to get another job doing the same thing he was before with a different organization. And that's what we are having to deal with. That's why people are talking about creating national registries, where if you've been fired because you killed 20 people on a job, you just can't go to Florida and become a deputy there, 
in you know in in Broward County and started doing the same thing all over again. You know, nine times out of ten, all these guys who have killed someone or injured someone, police brutality, they have a history of this mm-hmm. already. Yeah. And they're just moving around from dist- mm-hmm. from jurisdiction to jurisdiction. And that's not any different with, with what's happening with John Walker. Oh, yeah, you know, we're done with you. But, you know, who's next? Who wants them next? You guys want them next? Y'all right. can have them. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I'll just leave it at that. Right. Yeah. That milking hat looks good on you there, bro. I like that. Like, tilt to the side a little bit. (laughs) I tilted it a little bit this time. I'm just happy Madam Hydra showed up. But I will say this. The the Marvel version of Iris West, she needs to go somewhere and get a better wig. I'm just saying. That's all I'm going to say on her. Uh, (laughs) She she does nothing. She didn't do that. Oh, she's like, you need to go see Lamar's. No, you need to say, honey. I want you to follow me, take his hand, and then find the next loony bin and dump his ass in there. She knows he's crazy, but nope, she's just gonna sit there. She knows her husband's crazy. She obviously, uh, I stand, stand by your man. I mean, she was. I mean, she's like trying to trying to be there, be a supportive wife. But I mean, when what when Contessa Hydra sat down and ignored her, except to give her a hat, give her a backhanded comment, like you know, the best thing you've done, two best things you've done. Well, okay, well, tied with marrying your lovely wife, like back in, like, you know, secondhand comment, I'm like, I would have been like, snatch her. Like, if you don't snatch, if you don't snatch Julie Weed drivers and throw her back to Seinfeld, like, immediately, like, I'm, come on, man. Like, she was, she was just kind of, again, she's being kind of relegated to like a tertiary character where it's like, yeah. you know, whatever happens, it doesn't really matter. It's like, well, yeah. like, I, at least Iris West would have at least said something back to her. This right. one just sort of nodded her head. Yeah, I think, again, and we, we said this before when we were first introduced to John Walker, I just think that she was kind of put in there as his wife just to give us that whole, oh, you know, before y'all start calling him a racist person, he's not a racist person. He has a black best yeah. friend and a black wife that sort of thing so look at all this uh, blackness i mean i'm gonna be honest i don't have any feelings one way or the other about her character i think she's just there to give more support to john walker but as far as going back to the fight what they have to do what bucky and sam have to do they have to team up together in order to finally bring john walker down and they literally have to break his arm to get him to release his hold on the shield and once Bucky gives him a couple of extra punches to knock him out, which I was so satisfying. You know, Sam is there. He's winded. He's laying on the ground. Bucky picks up the shield and he throws it down at Sam. And he just gives Sam this look. And again, at this point, at the beginning of the episode, Bucky is pissed. You know, again, John Walker mm-hmm. has used the shield that belonged to his best friend that symbolized something, as he said later on, to himself and to a lot of people. He used this to murder. And it's now tainted the legacy of that shield. And in a lot of ways, at this point in the episode, Bucky still feels like that's Sam's fault. Because if Sam had kept the shield in the first place, none of this other stuff would have mm-hmm. happened. So I feel like that's what he was saying when he threw the shield down at Sam and just kind of gave him this look and walked off. It was just one of those, if you had kept it in the first place, we wouldn't even be here. Yeah, that, that look was right. keep that shit. This and poor right. Sam's Sam laying there getting his ass beat, getting his wing torn off again. 
Uh, didn't Bucky didn't Bucky tear his wings off in, in Captain America and the Winter Soldier too? Yes. Yeah, but that wasn't the same type of wings. That was like the original just, wings. Just, this is the Stark upgrade. No, that I'm John just saying Walker this is the, this is the second yeah. set of wings that he done fucked up. He's like, look, man, they ain't gonna give you no more if you keep getting them torn off. Like, damn, bro. But I, I mean, they have to tear those wings because Sam with those wings is a dangerous man. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> you have to take, you have to take your opponent's strength. Yeah, and it, then, and then, I, I literally got a five-minute argument from Mark the entire time Sam was on the ground. He goes, handcuff him. My husband insisted that as beat up as Sam was, that he could physically, supernaturally rise up and handcuff him. Not to be saying anything, but your husband has a very weird um, inclination to handcuff people. I'm not saying it. I know, right? Wait. Well, he, he was being nice because he wanted him to go to jail or with a mental house. But he's like, no, I'm sitting, and literally a, a five minute argument. I'm like, he's knocked out. He could barely stand. Yet and still, you want to handcuff this man. I, I think my problem with the whole fight scene is that they did a really cool thing that they did in Civil War where Spidey did the whole ADAT thing with the whole rope and Sam did a small version of that, but the angle was such that you didn't see it mm-hmm. until he had the second rope around it and they didn't do a good job of the first one going in because I missed it. It was it was just everything was moving so fast. Yeah. But I think Sam, by the end of that fight, once he gets the shield, I think at that point, Everything just started hitting him emotionally because you see when he finally is able to get up and he grabs the shield and he sees the blood, he starts trying to rub the blood off. You can see it in his face how shaken he is. It's like it's also hitting him at that moment. Mm-hmm. If I had kept the shield, this would not have happened. Right. You know? Uh, and and I also liked how I liked how their fight um kind of paralleled and, and kind of echoed the fight in Civil War between Bucky, Steve, and Tony. And it was very similar, you know, dynamic in that fight. Yeah, and then at the end, when, you know, Tony tells Steve, leave the shield, the shield wasn't yours. And how he Mm -hmm. just kind of dropped it, it was the same thing that that Bucky kind of did too, just kind of dropped it by him, like, Mm -hmm. this is Mm -hmm. yours. I also noticed the parallel with um, Infinity War with them prying the shield off of his arm, like, Mm-hmm. The, the parallel to them getting the glove off Thanos. I'm like, damn, mm-hmm. Bucky, mm-hmm. Bucky and Sam probably could have got that glove by themselves. They should have sent him to the Titans. Yeah, it, it was amazing how all of that, that, that whole scene yeah. just, just, like I said, echoed all the things that we've seen before. Mm-hmm. But So they go back to the building and the GRC is there and they're arresting Carly's followers, the ones that they can find. Of course, Carly and her other super soldiers are nowhere to be found. And Sam is is telling this to Bucky. He's like, Carly is probably underground. We are never going to find her at this point. And Torres walks in and he has to bring a little bit of humor to the situation because at this point it's been heavy, 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 heavy. And we're not even, what, 10 minutes into the episode at this point, maybe 15 right. minutes. So Torres comes in and he looks at Bucky. He's like, hey, you found your sleeve. And Bucky is like, I'm not in the mood for this. He turns to leave. And then Sam says, are you going to deal with Zemo? And he just looks at Sam and he keeps going. So Taurus comes in and he starts talking to Sam about the investigation and the fact that with the fact that John Walker killed this person very publicly, it is now an international incident. So 
they are no longer in charge of this investigation into the flag smashers. The government has now taken jurisdiction. And in the midst of all of this, he's asking Sam about the wings because he doesn't know what happened. So he sees the wings on the floor in a bag and he's like, oh, what happened to these? And he pulls them up and he's, you know, inspecting them. And he asked Sam, he was like, what happened to these? And you notice Sam is not answering him. Sam's not telling him because again, I don't think that it's widespread knowledge that John Walker took the serum. You know, Sam realized it when they were fighting prior to the killing because he saw John Walker fighting with one of the super soldiers and he had a hand up. So he's looking at him like, what did you do? Again, it's going to be evident once they actually have to fight him. Once he and Bucky fights him, it's evident that John Walker has taken the super serum. Because again, there's, I don't think, John Walker is a good soldier. He's a good fighter. But John Walker, as himself, trying to take on Sam and super soldier Bucky, he wouldn't have gotten as far in that fight. That fight would not have lasted that long. He, he might have held his own for a little bit, but it would not have been as intense as it was. So at this point, Sam knows that John Walker has gotten hold of the super soldier serum. And it's just kind of one of those things where he's like, he doesn't even want to answer when Tori says, well, what happened to this? He's like, whatever. And then as they're talking, when Sam gets ready to leave, he looks at the shield, which has been cleaned up and is on the table, which I have a question about that because technically speaking, isn't the shield evidence in a murder yes so shouldn't it have been taken into evidence blood intact and everything so i I have you know i i was confused about that yes but but he wasn't but he wasn't he wasn't in charge of anything that 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 is true there was a reason he didn't get arrested so you know that is true and then i i think too if if sam had given the shield back they probably would be in that situation again because the government would have just found someone else to be Captain America and we would have gone through this cycle again. But Sam picks up the shield and he, you know, walks away from Taurus and Taurus is like, hey, you forgot your wings. And Sam looks at him and says, keep them. I'm like, yes, Taurus, keep the wings. Here we go. Keep them. Fix them. Because I think at that point, yeah, I think at that point, Sam, maybe he hadn't completely decided, but one, he decided that he has to keep that shield. You know, he didn't keep it before and you see the chaos that ensued from it. At this point, he feels responsible. So he's like, okay, this shield is coming with me. And then two, I think at this point, this is where he probably has started resigning himself to the fact that maybe he no longer needs to be the Falcon. He might need to to do what Cap wanted him to do, which was become Captain America. I don't think it's cemented in his mind yet, but I think that thought, that spark is there at least to where he's like, okay, I'm not going to take the wings because I'm not going to need them now. You know, just let me close that chapter of my life. Me trying to hold on to that is what resulted in all of this. So now let me take this shield. Let me go figure out what I need to do, which is cool because we already know, you know, at least from the comic perspective that Taurus is going to become the new Falcon. So if that's going to happen, I'm cool with that. But um, I'm just, I'm just glad they're not going to do any, they're not going to do any experimentation on them and turn them into an actual bird Falcon and have wings growing out of his arms. Like, you know, they nah, have to deal with that. Nah. But I think at this point, it's just, it's kind of heartbreaking to see 
Sam at this point because I feel like right now this is kind of the lowest point for him. You know, he's kind of hit bottom now. Bucky is pissed off, has has gone off. John Walker is now, I don't know if they've arrested him at this point before we see the hearing or whatever. So we don't know exactly what happened to him between the end of the fight with Bucky and Sam and when we see him appear for the hearing. But it's just kind of one of those things where it's like, now Sam has to figure out what he's going to do. How are you going to approach this? What are you going to do with, with this shield and with everything that's happened? How do you move forward? What do you do to move forward? Then the next scene we see is the hearing for John Walker. And as y'all mentioned, we, we kind of talked about what happened in the, the hearing. He is stripped of all of his military duties. He no longer represents the government or the military or Captain America. And he's there in the meeting trying to get his own two cents in. Well, if, if I can just be allowed to explain the situated circumstances, they're like, we've already, we've already considered that. I mean, it's all over the internet at this point. You know, everybody has seen you murder this guy. So what else is there really to consider at this point? And we see him lose his temper a little bit in this hearing. And I really think he was kind of holding back on this too, because with him having the super soldier serum, when he pounded on that podium, that podium should have broken. It should have showed everyone, oh, this is what happened. He's a little bit enhanced now, but he has to hold back. He can't let them know he took that super soldier serum. Do you know what they would do if they knew that? They would probably try and take him and experiment on him as well. You know, they're like, oh, we don't have the super soldier serum anymore. The person who created it is dead. All of the vials have been destroyed. Hmm, here's a way we can get our hands on some. They would have taken him, I think, if, if they knew. Nah. Especially given what just occurred, that would have been, the, that could have been their excuse for keeping him in, in jail or in prison. And then they would have done this, you know, similar to him, what they did to Isaiah Bradley. Okay, no. let's see. This is what works. Let's extract some of this from him and let's, re, let's make some more. No, I don't know. They wouldn't have... There are a few reasons why that would not have happened. First, first of all, is I mean, everybody would be wondering. Everybody's probably wondering what the hell is happening with him, and there's no way he can just fall off face of the earth and nobody go look and find out what's happening for him. Second of all, he, I mean, he's I don't know how see how how can I say this? He's white, and that's not how this shit's gonna work. That's not how that's not how they do things. It's like I mean, I mean, I'm being realistic. It's like. <laughs> Like they're gonna they're gonna take him and experiment on him without without his approval, like they did Isaiah Bradley. No, that's not how that's gonna work. They're not. They will never do that. Do that to a someone like him. The same. So I just don't see that happening again. Like they would have to really, really, really do. I mean, do some work to do it, and it's way too much trouble. I just don't see it happening. Okay. All right. So we've already talked about the the tr the hearing. We've talked about. Madam Hydra appearing. So I'm, you know, I'm a little curious about that. Them introducing her character so late in this series, you know, this is only a six episode series. So after this episode, we only have one episode left. Um, it well, just kind well, of the, 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 the thing was, if I'm not mistaken, she was supposed to be. Yeah, she's a Black Widow. Make an appearance mm -hmm. in Black Widow. She's okay. in Black Widow, and Black Widow right. was supposed to be out before this. 
So it, been filmed, it was filmed before too, probably. So, okay. Because I, you know, I was trying to figure out like, okay, so what is it that they can do with her character and with him in one episode? You know, we haven't been given any indication that this series is going to continue into a second episode. We don't know as of right now, whether or not Falcon and uh, Bucky will show up in any other MCU films from this point on. So I just wonder what can they what can they do with those characters in one episode like what is her impact going to be and i understand that she's supposed to be in black widow but again black widow is taking place in the past so that might explain how important understand the significance of her character if we knew the context of her character already like when we see her in black widow that may make this make more sense okay knowing who she is and how she is in relation to the rest of the characters okay Okay. i mean i know it's comic book heads know who she is and know what she does know her history but people who only watch the movies and the tv show Mm -hmm. it would have made more sense to know who she is if we had already seen her sure right okay so i don't think they're gonna do anything more with her but, you know, I know from the previews that John Walker is going to be big in the final episode. Yeah, we'll we'll talk about John Walker. Or make an appearance. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll we'll talk about John <laughs> he's Walker. Gonna, he's going to make an appearance in that last, in the last episode. Though. Yeah. We'll see. So, um, after this, we see Carly and her super soldiers. They go back to the refugee camp that they originally were hiding in. And the camp has been raided and closed by the GRC because they were aware that they were housing, as they say, you know, they were housing te- terrorists or they were providing aid to Carly and her people. So at this point, Carly is now pissed off and she she rattles the names of the people that they've lost in the midst of this fight. Matthias, who was the soldier that helped them escape in the first couple of episodes. Mama Danya, Nico. And she yells out, she says, she says, how many lives, how, how many more of us have to lose our lives in order for us to live on this goddamn planet? And at that moment, her soldiers are looking at her and I felt like they were all kind of looking at her like, okay, she's gone off the deep end now because we've already seen in the previous episodes while they are passionate about about the fight, they never expected it to get to the point where it's violent, where people are dying. And I think at this point, some of her super soldiers are probably looking at her like, this is not what we signed up for. But of course, it's too late for them to do anything about it now because they're all, they all have been branded terrorists and they all have been branded a threat. And the government is looking for them all. So at this point, there's nothing else. There's really nothing more they can do. And Carly says, okay, it's time to move against the GRC. They're apparently supposed to be making a vote about the, what was it, the Patch Act where all of the refugees were going to be sent back to their countries of origin. They are planning to stop that vote. And we don't find out until later on in the episode. And actually, we still really don't find out by the end of this episode exactly what it is that they need to do. But we know that Carly goes to New York and she has a new, I don't want to say ally, 
because that whole that whole scene was weird. So later on in the episode, we see a we see a scene where Sharon is talking to someone on the phone, and it's Batrock. You know, she's gotten him out of his prison. He's pissed. He wants some revenge. So she says, "Hey, I have a job for you." Yes, this will be satisfying to us both. And what happens is we find out that he has been in touch with Carly. He's bringing Carly some weapons to use in their attack, whatever that it is that they plan on doing. Yes, Anthony. I, I have before we get into it. I take an issue with with Disney Plus on one thing. Whoever is doing the captions, if you want <laughs> something to be a surprise. <laughs> If you want something, right. to, you, you got to get rid of the caption. You got to get rid of the names in the captions because, like, right? We may we may have guessed who it was, but it says right there, "Plain as day." That's right. You're like, oh, okay. Well, right. this guy's coming back, and so when you see him, it's like, oh, but I knew he was coming anyway. So I, I just want right. to say, yeah, I, I'll, I'll give you that. And it happens in a lot of shows. It's not just. This show, but mm-hmm. it's, it happens to Netflix. Anytime you turn the captions and they put up there the, the character's name, I'm watching Naruto, and there's a character we aren't supposed to know who it is. Like, I, I don't understand. You're going to put the name of the character in the subtitles. We're not supposed to know who this character yeah. is for 10 freaking episodes, <laughs> but you already told oh. me, so there goes a surprise. But I'm just saying, you know. Stop this, watching this, it with the closed captions. No. <laughs> yeah. Well, we, but, we have to, Hanukkah, but, because they I, mumble these days. Nobody speaks clearly on I TV. know, I know. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. And sometimes they speak too fast. So. This is true. He does have a good point. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I, I'll give you that. But see, here's here's the thing. I really believe that Sharon might be power broker based off of that phone call alone where she said, I'll give you double. And she was obviously calling Bartrock. So I, I, in my, I don't know, but in my mind, I believe she is power broker, but I also believe she's deep cover while doing that. Uh, I don't know. I'm kind of. Yeah. Because I was going to say, it's kind of interesting because when she told him that she'll give him double this time, that means that she's used him before for mm-hmm, a job, mm-hmm. which I think was the job that we saw at the beginning of the series. Right. So yeah. that does kind of make you wonder what side is she on? And it's funny because we're on Zoom doing this call and Michael's uh, screen name is Shady Sharon. So Michael, you think that Sharon is most definitely the power broker? No. And here's why. Okay. I'm ready. So Okay. Let's, let's let's look at a flow chart. So in this scene, Sharon. Oh, you, you, you did it. I'm sorry. It. I'm sorry. You're, you're absolutely correct. <clears throat> okay. So let's look, let's mm-hmm. look at this in terms of a flow chart. You have Sharon calling Batrock. Then Batrock goes to Carly. Then you have Carly getting. Previously, you have the power broker texting Carly that she, that the power broker he or she is going to kill. Carly. Mm-hmm. There's no way that the power broker is going to help Carly unless it's to help her to help her see the other side. There's absolutely no chance that that the power, that the power broker is going to do anything to help her out. So Sharon is definitely not the power broker. 
okay. whether it's I think that Madam Hydra is I, I think it's Madam it's either Madam Hydra or someone who is working with Madam Hydra. And okay. I think I believe that Sharon is, is playing five different games of chess right now. I think she she has she's helping out Sam and Bucky, she's helping out Carly, she has all kinds of things going, but I don't I just don't think she's the she would help Carly unless it was some kind of elaborate double back double cross where she's gonna have Batrock try to kill Carly like while while he's helping her. But it's like I just don't think that I mean because it seems like Carly contacted Sharon, then Sharon Sharon contacted Batrock to help Carly. So I just don't think that Sharon would do anything to help her when if she's the power broker, when the power broker has specifically texted her with really specific words saying that she's gonna kill her. So I don't think that I just I just think that Sharon just Sharon is really in is in deep, deep, deep as Eddie Murphy said in one of the Beverly Hills Cops movies, he's deep, 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 deep undercover. So I think that there's, I think that's what it is. It's not really a power brokerish thing. I think it's, I think it's power broking, but it's not, she's not the power broker. Okay. All right. Mm-hmm. Well, the, the power broker is that crazy senator well, who not only gave the shield to John Walker, he's also stripped John Walker of all his stuff. And now he's also. On the GRC, oh, so he's got um, his hands in a lot of and I, I can't, I, I, I miss don't know that. I can go along with that, but you know, I, the way and the thing is, like I said, it's not a theory. It's just that the way that Marvel has been setting up the the series is that it 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 it's more likely to be someone who is not significant to us, but significant to the show. Okay. And someone who's not going to be significant down the line. And that would be the- Sarah. That's I'm just kidding. That's always how it is. It's like it's always it's always one character that you're introduced to, then you don't pay attention to him. Then it circles back around to that character, and they're like, yep. I bet you're wondering how I did this. And it's like you know, and, and you're like, and then they'll play it's Agatha all along in the background. Basically, yeah. <laughs> Who's that? Being the power exactly. broker. It's the senator all along. Done it. Exactly. I'm sorry. I can never get that earworm out because it's just too good. I don't. I don't think we'll ever get that earworm out. That's going to be one of those things that we're always thinking no. of. It's probably we're probably going to be referencing that song for all of the Marvel stuff from here on out in some form or fashion. Yep. So, uh, yeah. Um, I, I I do think that the thing that really got me the most about this whole thing is that, you know, every time we talk about each episode, one of us will bring up something and we're like, just now it's like, oh, yeah, because you're watching it so fast and you're so involved that the little things you just miss, you know, and it, unless you go back multiple times and watch. Mm-hmm. So at least for me. Yeah, I mean, I've only watched this once. I think that's that's the same thing with almost everything. It's like the first time you watch something, you're watching it for the overall mm. story, and then when you go back and do your second rewatch, right. you're starting to catch things that you missed the first time because you've already seen all of the obvious stuff. So now, us as Marvel viewers, we're looking for everything hidden. We're looking for the Easter eggs or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. we do that with every subsequent watch. Right. We notice something that's a little bit different. 
from the first couple of times, just like mm-hmm. today, I watched it for the third time before we started recording. And that was when I noticed that when Sam and Torres were talking right before Sam leaves, he looks at the shield and he looks at the wings and then he looks at Torres before he reaches down and picks up the shield and walks off without the wings. I never noticed mm-hmm. that in the first mm-hmm. two minutes, almost right, kind of right. like, hmm, that was when he was making his decision. Okay. Because you already know Taurus has an interest in the wings. We saw that in the first episode when Sam was trying to fix it. Taurus mm-hmm. went to try to grab it. He was like, oh, I can help. No, don't touch him. And I think now at this point, Sam is like, hmm, okay. Maybe he can do something with that. That might not have been what that look mm-hmm. was. But me knowing that Torres becomes the Falcon in the comics, at least, I felt like that's what that small look was. You know, you you get those little subtle things just like mm-hmm. a few episodes ago when they were talking to the doctor and he was talking about the fact that he had created the new super soldier serum from a test subject and you saw Sam's face kind of looking, you saw Bucky look at him and it was like the slightest shake of his head almost imperceptible if you weren't paying attention for it. those little things you kind of see on subsequent watches you can catch those little things and try and figure out mm-hmm. oh okay well, what does that mean yep. oh, i missed this and this was you know you can kind of interpret what those things mean so this series and i will say marvel in general they're they're very good at that you know just putting those little bitty things into to kind of you know show us that there's a moment of understanding i mean even later on with sam and bucky when Bucky is helping Sam on the boat, there's a minute, there's a moment where Sam looks at Bucky and he gives like a very slight nod of his head and Bucky looks at him and does the same thing. It was kind of like acknowledging at that point, okay, we are helping each other. We are friends. We are, we're cool, you know? So, um, let's see. Okay. So let's, let's move on to Zemo because I, I'm quite sad because I think this is the last time we're going to see Zemo in this series. But of course, last episode, while John Walker was getting his ass kicked by the door Milaje, Zemo escaped and we didn't know what happened to him. We didn't know where he'd gone. So apparently Bucky has figured out where he will find Zemo and Zemo is standing at the Sokovian memorial that he mentioned a couple of episodes ago and Bucky finds him and Zemo says you know he's like okay I'm surprised it took you this long to find me he said well surprisingly I've decided not to kill you and Bucky says very deadpan very sarcastic oh I'm thrilled like he wasn't scared that Zemo was gonna try and kill him but Bucky has a gun in his hand and so we know what he supposedly has come to do he's come to take care of Zemo on his own maybe cross his name off that list who knows so then Zemo has a conversation with Bucky and he tells him he says Carly has been radicalized beyond salvation I I I tried to tell Sam and he didn't listen to me he's just as stubborn as Steve Rogers was and I thought about that when he said that and I was like why would he say that statement right now in that context and I feel like at this point you know we we mentioned in the last episode I think Zemo even with the fact that he wants all of the super soldiers eradicated I think he realizes that Bucky is kind of a different 
scenario because Bucky was not evil because he wanted to be. That was something that he was brainwashed and trained to be. But Steve Rogers was very, once he realized the Winter Soldier was Bucky, he never gave up in his quest to try to save Bucky, to try to redeem Bucky, to try to get him out of that mindset and and restore him to the person that he was. And I think we can kind of see a a lot more of that in this episode. You see Bucky being more, or I, I should say, you see Bucky being less moody, less mean. You actually see him in this episode. He's smiling, he's joking. He's having a good time. He's he seems more like the Bucky we saw in Captain America, the first Avenger than we've seen of him since. And I think Zemo was trying to draw a parallel there that maybe Sam not giving up on Carly might be something that will be helpful. At this point, Zemo doesn't think so. He's like, no, Carly is radicalized beyond salvation. She can't be saved. And we know that he's been saying in the last couple of episodes, she's going to have to be killed. You're going to have to put her out. You're going to have to take her out. But I think in this, I, I think maybe Zemo is saying here, there might be a chance to save her. You know, Sam has the same kind of stubbornness, the same kind of relentless pursuit that Steve had. And we see what happened when Steve never gave up on Bucky. He was actually able to save Bucky. Maybe Sam can save Carly. At this point, Zemo doesn't think so, but I think him making that statement says that there might be a chance. And I think this is also kind of sort of a test for Bucky because Zemo, when when Bucky pulls out the gun and he aims it at Zemo's face, Zemo doesn't panic. He doesn't get angry. It's almost like he expected that this would happen. And he even tells Bucky, I don't, I don't hold any grudges. You, this is what you have to do. And when Bucky pulls the trigger and nothing happens, you know, he gives that little smile. And then when Zemo looks at him like, what? He does a little head cock thing, what? And Bucky has the bullets in his other hand and he lets the bullets out. <laughs> I feel like that, I feel like that was Bucky saying. I am not who I was trained to be. I am not that person. You know, it's it's like, even though we saw in the last episode that he finally shed the hold that Hydra had over him as the Winter Soldier, I feel like in that moment, that was Bucky claiming, this is not who I'm going to be anymore. Because he could have killed Zemo. He would have been totally mm. justified and it would have gotten him out of whatever, um, you know, troubles he was with with the Wakandans because they're already mad at him because he let Zemo go if he would have killed Zemo that would have been kind of you know settling that debt but Bucky has decided this is not the person I'm going to be anymore I don't have to be a killer and I think this is when he's he's reclaiming his humanity in this instant and then the Wakandans come up the Dora Milaje come up and Zemo just looks he's like Hi, ladies. I mean, at this point, he's resigned. And he also tells James, he he tells James, he says, I I took the liberty of crossing my name off in your book. I I hold no grudges against what you thought you had to do. And at this point, I feel like they they kind of have an understanding at each other. And then, of course, he's taken away by the Dora Milaje. But again, I want to know, when did you when did you swipe Bucky's book again that you were able to cross his your name off? Zemo is just Zemo. Full, he's, very, very, he's just full of surprises. But very, very sneaky. Very, very sneaky. 
Yeah. But I think at this point, he's kind of resigned himself. Like, he, he thought Bucky was going to kill him. And I think he was okay with that because he did everything that he could do in this fight as far as trying to get rid of the super soldiers. You know, he killed the doctor that created the super soldier serum. He got rid of what he thought was all of the super soldier vials. I think at this point he was just kind of like, okay, you know what? I've done what I can. I, I've done what I came to do. Now I need to, now I, I just have to accept the consequences of my actions. And I think he was really resigned to that, but now he's going to go sit in Wakandan prison for the rest of his days. So who knows? You know, he didn't seem he didn't seem too hard. Oh, about that. actually, he's gone to the. No, he's going to the raft. They, the, they took him to the. Raft. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. They took him to the raft, and and right now the notable prisoners of the raft that we know of are Trish mm-hmm. Walker, that's Jessica Jones' mm-hmm. adopted sister, and Jessica mm-hmm. Jones. That's where okay, they took yeah. her. Oh, that's where Luke Cage took her. No, that's where, yeah, that's yeah. where they took her. And Diamondback, Luke Cage's brother. brother yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, with Hellcat, yeah. Okay. This, uh, this, that would, they, would, they would make a dope-ass Suicide Squad. But... Oh, yeah. If you want to yeah, see a really good interpretation of, of the raft, that one of the uh, Marvel animated series, I forget which Avengers, well, I think it was the first one, they have about a three or four episode arc where they specifically deal with the raft, and it's really good. Mm. Oh, okay. But then we see a final scene together of Bucky and Ayo. And in this one, Ayo is a little less hostile than she was in the last episode, you know, because yeah, she, she tells, now. yeah, she, she and she calls him White Wolf again, you know, so it's kind of like whatever anger she had in the last episode now that he has corrected his mistake, meaning he's turned Zemo over to them for his punishment, I think now she she can be a little more forgiving with him. But she was like, you know, you might want to make yourself scarce in Wakanda. Like, don't come visit anytime soon because we're still pissed at you, but you're cool. You know, when she calls him White Wolf, I feel like that's her saying, we're good, you know? And then obviously they're good enough. He asked her for another- No more booty hmm? calls. (laughs) No more late night creep. You know what? No I'm, I'm not. I'm not studying y'all. <laughs> but there was some, you, there's no denying right now that, that there was that there was definitely something there because I mean, I, I'm gonna be honest though. I don't think it was romantic. I think more. I think it was more so a a bonding between warriors and a, a mutual respect. You know, like I said in the last episode for everything that Bucky had to go through in order to deprogram his mind and be free of the whole Hydra head on him, that takes a lot of strength and it takes a strength and a determination that not a lot of people would have. And I think Ayo probably just really respects him for that. I don't, you know, we're all joking and stuff. I don't, I don't think it was anything romantic, honestly. Um, Although, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. You know, Bucky seems to have, you know, he seems to have an affinity for brown women. <laughs> he, he definitely has a, has a thing for the ladies. Had to start somewhere. I mean, why not Wakanda? I mean, maybe, that, maybe that's part of Shuri's programming. He was like, no more white women for you. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, think about it. I mean, he's, a, he's kind of flirting with an Asian woman. And then Ayo shows up. And then... Later on, he like he 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 definitely gave Sam's sister that yo what's up baby 
There was no. Unprompted. Yes, that was like that was exactly. that was a genuine natural. Okay, so we'll, we'll get to that. <laughs> we'll get to that because that was funny. She's like, I'm Sarah. <laughs> we'll we'll get and to that. Yeah. Um, we, we've got to go to some more <laughs> heavy stuff first. Sam's visit to Isaiah Bradley. Ooh. That scene and just hearing a little bit more of Isaiah Bradley's story and what happened to him and how they treated him, that took me a minute to get through that scene because we already know that the experience that he tells Sam about in the story, we already know that that is kind of reminiscent of what has happened to Black people throughout history when it comes to medical trials and that sort of thing. But hearing it put in his context and to hear just exactly what they did, you know, he, he talked about the fact that he and several other people were given the serum, but they were not told what the serum was. They were told it was tetanus. I had to pause after that one because I was like, oh, here we go with this. Like, Again, this is not something unheard of for us in the Black community. They've done this to us throughout time. But to hear them put it in this context with the super soldier serum and everything that he had to go through is just kind of like, again, it's one of those things where I feel like they use fictional accounts to kind of teach some people about history because a lot of people wouldn't, know or have not heard of things like the Tuskegee experiments. They don't hear about the experiments that were done on black women by, you know, slave owners or doctors in that time that was putting them on display for medical, so-called medical. They don't know about all of this stuff because that's not stuff that's, that was readily taught, at least not when I was in school you know, back in elementary school, middle school, high school. These are things that really have started seeing the light of day within the last 20 years or so, especially with the internet becoming so large because you can research a lot of stuff there. There are a lot of people who post the conspiracy theories on there. And a lot of the conspiracy theories might not be conspiracy theories. That's people teaching you, hey, this is, ex this is actually what happened to marginalized people. And to hear it being told in this context between these two characters and to see Sam's reaction, because again, it's one of those things where Sam kind of knows what they did, but again, he doesn't know the extent. And it's like when you're, when he's sitting there listening to Isaiah Bradley talk about his story, talk about the fact that when several of his military brothers were captured that the government talked about wiping out the whole POW camp just to hide their secret. We know stuff like that happens. Isaiah broke out of his, um, you know, he broke out of his facility to go and save those guys. And those guys ended up dying anyway because the serum wasn't working with everybody else. And because he did that, they threw him in prison for 30 years. They experimented on him. They told his wife that he was dead. You know, so he had to be in prison. His wife would write letters to him 
They never gave him the letters. She thought he was dead. And then she died while he was in prison. This is all stuff that happened to him. And this is stuff that we know actually happens to people, you know, in this country. And it was just listening to that and seeing Sam listen to this and, and hearing that. It's kind of, Isaiah says it in there. He was like, you know, the stars and stripes mean nothing to me. He was talking about not wanting the mantle of Captain America, not wanting to be associated with that. And he tells Sam, no self-respecting Black man would either. You know, basically saying, no, don't you even consider this. And it kind of weighs heavily on Sam because he really feels like this is not something that was made for me. This is not something I should do. So he's still kind of feeling like I can't accept this mantle. I can't be Black America. You know, and, and just like Isaiah says, he says they will never let a black man be Captain America. And it's just that that whole conversation was so heavy and so eye-opening and so like I felt the impact of that conversation. And I'm also so glad that Marvel is having those kind of conversations within the confines of this show. They're not shying away from that history. They're actually putting that in there for us to see. And I love them for that because that's, that's stuff that people need to know about. Yeah. I mean, also in that, that quote, he said, Star Stripes don't mean nothing good to me. They didn't mean anything to him. It's just that he's never, he's never experienced anything good from seeing the Stars and Stripes. They've only given him heartache, pain, physically and mentally, and, and torture. That's all it's ever really meant to him. And, and he can't see anything good in it. And I understand Sam going back and wanting to know more, but it's like, I mean, I can appreciate it because you really need to hear as many sides of a story as you can in order to make an educated decision about anything that you need to make a decision about. So he had to hear Isaiah's story and his point of view in order to make a good decision about taking up the mantle. And it's like, you kind of, you have to hear the good and the bad. Like you have to hear that, that he saw the red, the famous red tail squadron fight for this country and literally save people, but then come back with crosses burned in their yards because that happened. And it's like, and you have to realize that people don't want to, like their ideal in this country, unfortunately is a blonde haired, blue eyed person representing the red, white, and blue, because that's what has been for however many years. And you have mm-hmm. to realize that there are people that don't want to see a black man holding the mantle and representing America. There are a ton of people still, and it's been proven that they don't want to see that because they don't feel that represents them. When ironically enough, the, having having a, a hero that's not a blonde haired, blue eyed hero is the exact is the exact representation that America actually is. America's a melting pot. It's not just white people, it's black people, Hispanic people, and Asian people. There are a lot of different people here that need to be represented and it, and when Isaiah, I'm with you, when Isaiah was telling that story, it hurt, especially the fact when, when he showed him the letters that he had, I was just like, I can't believe that. And, I mean, I was like, I can't believe it happened. I was like, okay, yeah, I can't believe it happened. But it's just, 
I mean, it was sad, but it's something that Bucky needed to say because Sam's trying to be the change that he wants to see in this world. And that's a very hard thing to do. And that's something that requires a lot of internal searching to figure out if that's really what you want. So you have to go around and get a lot of questions answered. You have to get a lot of testimonials. You have to get a lot of people telling you their experiences and to see if you actually want these things to happen to you. Because once you take up the mantle, you're going to encounter everything from from the whole spectrum, good and bad. So you have to be prepared to handle those things. And if you're not ready to do it, then you're going to become like great value cap, like not being able to handle bad situations and and just not and not doing a good job of it. You have to be able to handle things that are that come across your way, whether they're extremely good or extremely bad. And this is his path into doing that. Right. Um, p- p- part of what you guys are saying was echoed by um, Miko back earlier when he was talking mm-hmm. to Carly, saying that Captain America should look yeah. like you. You know, right. a, lot, a lot of that That's goes true. back to that. Mm-hmm. Um, you guys said a lot. I agree with everything y'all said. I just want to say that Carl Lumley is one of the most underrated actors. He brought such gravitas and and power to this message of pain and anger and and regret. And you could just feel it coming through the screen. And I don't know if you guys saw Lovecraft Country. But one of the things that Lovecraft Country dealt with was the generational pain that we go through, and how can we break that cycle? Mm-hmm. And and it seems as if Sam is is being set up as maybe the one that can break this cycle, mm-hmm. as opposed to, you know, not invalidating how Isaiah felt, but saying, look, I un- we understand the pain, but at some point we do have to take that step forward right yeah and 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 i just wanted to say i i carl limley even back when he was mantis mm-hmm. I, I have always left him as an actor mm-hmm. and mantis got this, jacked man that was such a great show this, they never gave show. it a shot and and it was it was there was a lot of power and pain coming through through his his portrayal mm-hmm. of isaiah on the scene mm-hmm. but you know during this conversation, Sam, you know, Sam does the same thing or he has the same reaction a lot of us will ha- would have. He says, we have to tell someone, we have to let, we have to let them know. He's like this, you know, for Sam, he says that this story is too important to be hidden. You know, he's like, people need to know what they did to you. But Isaiah is, oh, now Isaiah's like, no, he was like, they, they, they erased me. I'm dead to them. Let me live my life in peace. He said, you really think that they're going to fix things? And Sam even said, he said, things are different now. I know people. And what Isaiah says is you, is that why you're here? You really think things will change? He said, do you not think that I won't be dead in a day if they find out where I am? And, and he's probably right. If they found out that he was still there, especially given the fact that his blood or his DNA or whatever was used to make the current super soldier serum, they probably would come come after him. And for what? 
you know, just let this man went through enough. Let him let him live in peace. It's not his. I think at this point, it's not his fight anymore. He did his fighting. He did what he thought was right, and he tried to save people, and he tried to do, you know, what he was supposed to, and he got punished for it. So at this point, I don't. He doesn't owe anyone anything. But Sam has enough information now that yes, Sam needs to think long and hard about that legacy and then he needs to think about his own life and his own legacy and and what he wants that to mean and I think that was something very I think that was something that he needed you know and after this he he calls Sarah and tells her that he's coming home and he goes home for I'm assuming he's there for a couple of weeks because even towards the end of the episode when we see the the mid-credit scene with John Walker, John Walker, he no longer has the cast on his arm, so his arm is not broken. So it's gotta be a few weeks, you know. Sam goes home, he has a talk with Sarah. He finds out that she can't sell the boat as she had planned because the boat is in is in bad shape. So he makes it his his goal to restore that boat or to fix that boat so that Sarah can sell it and do what she needs to do for the family and so this is where we start to see a little bit of Sam's home life um he talks about the fact that his parents or their parents used to help out people in the neighborhood all the time and he says oh now's the time for us to you know kind of call in some of those favors so instead of going out trying to find ways to save the boat like they did with the bank Sam is like, no, we just need to look in our backyard. He starts making phone calls. He does things the old-fashioned way. He calls the neighbors. He says, hey, we need some help. We need this. We need that. And they come out for him. They get the parts that's needed to fix the boat, and they bring it to him. And so Sam can start this project. And I feel like it, in some ways, it's kind of parallel. Like, Sam can't fix the world right now, but he can start with this one little piece of the world. And I think it also helped him to kind of maybe organize his thoughts as far as what's important. What do I need to do? Where's, what is my role in this? Not just in his life at home, but his life in the world as well. His life as a superhero, like what is my role? What is my purpose? What, What am I supposed to do? And we see in this, once he gets ready to start working on everything, you know, again, his neighbors have, gathered all of the things that they need but it's on a truck and they're like okay how are we going to get this off the truck and then all of a sudden you see it being lifted and put down and there's Bucky and Bucky is basically coming by to say goodbye to Sam he's like yeah you know I'm leaving but I just I had a you know I called in a favor from the Wakandas I'm just dropping this off you sign for it I'll be on my way so Bucky isn't planning to stay he's just bringing whatever this is the Wakandans have have done to Sam, which we already know this is gonna be Sam's suit. I already know this, you already know this, we already know this, but of course we don't get to see it. So while they're there, one of the pipes or something busts and Sam can't get he can't get it fixed, but Bucky is able to with his super strength. And this is where we start to see a little bit of the bonding. And I guess you can also say healing of the of the relationship or of the friendship or starting of the friendship between Sam and Bucky because Bucky is there. He starts helping Sam out on the boat. The other people are helping Sam out on the boat. Here comes the much mentioned flirting that Bucky does with his sister 
which I think is so cute. And yeah, I'm looking. I'm, I'm looking. I'm looking at the the moment when he goes and helps him stop the pipe from hissing, and she he's like hi, and she's like hi, and like gives him like little little limp lip kind of hay wave. I'm like uh huh. So it's it so funny. Just, he's like just, I'm Bucky, and she was like I'm Sarah. He was like Sarah, and Sam is turned around looking like oh no hey That head snapped up <laughs> so fast. He's like what? No no no. No, it was it was that look on her face when when Bucky walked by. She was like, oh. yeah, she, she was like, mm. <laughs> like, Ooh. yeah, that. But you know, getting to see Bucky and Sam bond while they're fixing the bow and and to see this look, this is I think this is the most. I have to say, this is the most human, or this is the most normal we've seen Bucky in a very long time. He seems very relaxed. He's not worried about criminals or villains. He's not worried about if he's going to hurt somebody. He just seems very relaxed and very much James, very much Bucky, you know? And this was something that I wanted to see because we don't get to see, you know, as I mentioned earlier, we don't get to see that a lot with him in the movie since the Winter Soldier because he's always kind of on his guard. He's always tense. He's always... It's almost like he's always in, he, he's prepared for whatever might jump off. And here he's just relaxed. He's chilling on the boat. He's chilling with these people. You know, he's, we see him be a little bit, not necessarily playful with Sam's nephews, but there's a moment where he wakes up and the nephews are playing with, with the shield. And he just goes, hey, and they're like, put the shield back, put the shield back when the camera pans back to him, he's smiling, you know? And it's just kind of like, he's enjoying this normal life. And it was so good to see him enjoying being a normal person. I think it was one of my favorite things in the episode. I think it reminded him of being back in Wakanda. Yeah, because that, that was kind of like the, that was like the post missing. scene where he got his arm back. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah he's just... It's, it, it, it's and and if Sam wasn't the kid's favorite uncle already, bringing home Captain America's shield kind of cemented. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, um, you know, after that, you know, a little while when they're on the boat and Bucky is like, yeah, well, you know, going to finish helping out. He was like, I catch my flight tomorrow. Gonna go find a hotel to crash. And Sam's like, "Oh, you finna do me like this, dude? Dude, just stay here." And Bucky was like, "Well, I didn't want to make it awkward for your family." And Sam, Sam goes into this dialogue, and it's so funny. He was like, "Look, dude, the people around here, they don't care about your past. They're they're genuinely nice people. They don't care if you're this. They don't care if you're that. They don't care if your mom is your aunt." And and it was so funny because we were looking at that like my daughter said what i said basically he's just saying they're accepting of everyone they're gonna they're gonna be nice and bucky laughs and you know again you kind of see this this little weight lift off of him he's like okay i don't have to be by myself i can be around people and be okay and it's just again it's one of my favorite parts of the episode this and then the um the scene with him and sam later on you know, talking while they're they're throwing around the shield. That those were my two favorite scenes in this whole episode. Okay, there were the mm. that scene where they were just playing catch 
like they're playing frisbee. They're just like throwing the, throwing the shield and catching it, throwing the shield, catching. It. I'm like, really, y'all just y'all making it seem like y'all in the park with a freaking frisbee and y'all, but you're throwing caps shield like, like hello, like that that shit was so fucking cool. I was like, damn, like you like how many times you get to see that? It's just like. It was, it was almost like like that scene in Invincible where they're th- where they're playing catch where he throws the ball all the way around the world and he catches yep. it. And he yep. throws it all the way around the world. Yeah, yeah. Cool yeah, the whole thing was the boat stuff. When he was trying to take the one thing off of the railing and he just comes up and listens. And <laughs> <laughs> if, if, if Buggy just comes like... Now, it, it, the whole <laughs> sequence was just really cool to see. Like I said... It's very rare to see Bucky be a normal person. I, I'm going to take it a step back further than Wakanda. I'm going to say that we really have not seen James be himself since uh, the first Avenger, Captain America, the first movie where he was just hanging out with uh, Steve when they were teenagers. You know, I mean, you know, they went to the World's Fair, whatever it was. You know, I mean, they were just having fun, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because in Wakanda, yes, he was he was relaxed and you could see that he no. was kind of at peace there, but he was still right. serious Bucky. He was still right. healing right. Bucky. We haven't seen him loose and carefree since Captain right. America, no. the first Avenger. You know? And so, like I said, I feel like we got to see a little bit more of that Bucky in this film. You know, the Bucky before he went off to the to join the military. We got to see that in this. He he almost felt like not necessarily kid like, but he 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 seemed a bit freer than he had been in a long time, you know. And then also, this is also a Bucky that is more emotionally sound, I think, and grounded because when he and Sam are having their frisbee tossing session, as Mike called it, he's talking to Sam and. He said, when Steve had the conversation with me about giving you the shield, I don't think either of us understood what it meant for a black man to have that shield. How could we? You know, he's basically said, how would we understand that? We don't we don't have any idea of what that experience is like. And I, I have a feeling that, you know, Sam probably talked to Bucky about mm-hmm. his conversation mm-hmm. with Isaiah Bradley. And that's probably what brought that realization on. It's like, Earlier in the series, Bucky, I don't think Bucky truly understood that. We saw that with the police scene, because when the police were asking Sam for his ID, he was like, I don't have ID. And Bucky was like, just give them the ID so we can go. And he was like, why do I need to give them my ID? I didn't do anything. We haven't done anything. Why do I have to do that? Why do I have to acquiesce to them? And I think now Bucky gets it. And he tells Sam, I owe you an apology. I'm sorry what happened with Walker wasn't your fault. I don't, you know, that's, that wasn't your burden. And it's kind of like one of those, when I saw that scene, that scene made me tear up because you see them being two grown adult men being vulnerable with each other and being emotionally open to each other. You know, Sam gives Bucky a lot of good advice in this because Bucky talks about the fact that the shield means more to him than it just being the shield, than it just being Steve's legacy. He tells Sam, that's the closest thing I have left to family. 
And when he said that, I was like, oh, don't make me cry. Don't make me cry. But when you think about it, that's that's his last connection to anybody who was alive during his time. That's that's his last connection to Steve and to, as he said, family, because he viewed Steve as a brother. And he, as he says, when when Sam retired it, he felt like there was nothing left for him. And now it's to the point where I feel like he doesn't feel that anymore or he may feel like that bond is starting with Sam you know but Sam also gives him some really good advice he's like you have been trying to make amends for what you did as the winter soldier or you've been you've been avenging the the bad things that you did as the winter soldier you need to start making amends you have to give the people on your list closure because you're the only person that can do that. So immediately I'm thinking, oh, he's going to have that conversation with Mr. Nakajima in the last episode. Like yeah, that's, that's going to be the thing. Yeah. That's going to be the thing. I think that fully releases him or I won't say fully releases him, but as much as he can be, you know, he admits to Sam that he's been having the nightmares, which he didn't admit to his doctor. He's like, yeah, I have the nightmares, but that they, they remind me that I'm still here, that, the winter soldier is still a part of me and that he's still somewhere in there. But I think also it, it reminds him that he still has work to do. And Sam tells him, if you want to be free from all this, you have to do the work. You can't just go crossing names off a list and saying, okay, I did this. I put this person in jail who, you know, that I helped get into power as the winter soldier. You can't just fix the things you did wrong. You have to actually amend them. You can't do it to make yourself feel better. You have to do something that makes those people you've wronged feel better. And it's like, after this, you could kind of see, again, there is an understanding between these two. And I think the start of a genuine friendship with these two. They're not coworkers. They're not team members. They're not you know they're not partners they're not two guys that are connected by a guy they're just two guys and I feel like that was just them saying okay you know what we can stop putting all of these barriers in between us and now we can genuinely be friends and that was that was everything I wanted to see everything that I wanted to see between these two characters since they first showed up on the screen together antagonizing each other I got in this episode and it made me so happy because now that they have this mutual understanding and this mutual respect with each other, I really feel like, you know, they say they don't work well as a team. I think from this point on, that's going to change. I think whenever the two of them are together now, whenever the two of them are fighting, it's going to be great. I, I, I can't even put it into words. I'm just, I'm excited to see what the two of these, what these two can be from now on. And I know we only have one episode left. And I'm really, really devastated about that. But I really, really hope that we get to see more of these two in future Marvel stuff. And yes, give us a second season, damn it. I wouldn't complain. Yeah. That's what I was telling you earlier, that some of these shows, I think, besides WandaVision, really do deserve a second season. Because they've done such an amazing job. And with the pandemic, who knows when they'll really get back to doing some serious um, movie making. This might be the fix for a while. Yeah. But I mean, even yeah. with even with this being a show, like Anthony said, this feels like a movie. It does. The way that they've shot it, the way that the scenes transition into each other, it's just all around. It it, it feels like a feature film. And the thing is, is that this little scene that they have with Crazy Town, 
2.3.0. Yeah, crazy three. Yeah, great value, great value, crazy town 3.0. When he's visiting the family, and Mark said, watching his goes, the sister knows he's lying. Because he said she just gave him that look. And I'm going, you know what? I think you're right. Because the way he said it, and the dad, and I mean the dad was just bereft. I think the mom had a little bit more presence of mind. I think the mom knew that if she didn't give him a hug and didn't say they're there, it's okay that he might have gone off on them. And that just shows what we get later on that he still isn't right. But I love that little scene. Yeah, the sister 100% didn't believe him because, you know, I mean, she kept looking at him and she was just like, really? Like, you something. You will come over yep. here and lie to our face? Like, it's like... I. I think the parents are probably still in grieving, so I don't. I really don't think that they right. that they could tell that he was lying. But the sister, mm. the sister saw straight through him. Like, like no, this is not what. This is not. That's not what what happened at all. And I'm I'm wondering. I'm wondering if she's going to be. She's going to try to find something out about. I don't think this. I don't up. think the family will play any further part in the show. I think. I think they were there, one, so that he could, you know, so that we could see him interacting with them and also so that we could see how close he and Lamar were. But also, I think that whole conversation that we had with them because of how bereft they were, I don't think he lied to them on purpose. I think he was lying to them to maybe kind of give them some closure and peace of mind because he knows that Nico wasn't the one that killed Lamar. But he doesn't have Carly. He can't catch Carly. And now he doesn't have the resources to do so because the military and has the government has stripped everything from him. So I think mm. he probably told them that, one, to kind of justify to them why he killed that person. Because, of course, they would have heard this. They would have seen that he did this. And I think for him... Killing that guy would have justified to Lamar's parents, okay, this is why he did this. Because, again, we, we've said he and Lamar have been friends for a very long time, probably since high school. And we see that they were very close. You know, like his family had pictures of the both of them on their walls uh, and on their shelves. So it wasn't just a casual friendship. They really were like brothers. And I think to keep Lamar's parents from grieving so much or being bereft or being angry that Lamar's killer hadn't been captured. He told them, this is the person who did it. I captured him. And when I saw what happened, I just lost control and I, I killed him. This is the person that, that killed Lamar and I killed him. I think part of that was to give closure to Lamar's parents, but also it was something to remind him that he still has work to do because he says to the parents, you know, I would never let Lamar's killer go free. At that point, I was like, he's still going to go look for Carly because he has to do that for himself. You know, yeah, he killed somebody, but he killed the wrong person. And I think even with all of his ego, even with all of his entitlement, I think that that probably is going to be something that's going to bother him. The fact that he took a life, but he took the wrong life in his mind. You didn't, you, you took somebody who was associated with that person, but you didn't take the person who actually killed Lamar. So that's going to be kind of his, his mission from here on out. And, and also to alleviate some of that guilt that he feels, because again, if he hadn't gone on that mission, like Lamar told him not to, Lamar would still be there. And I think 
I feel like that's why the sister was looking at him, not necessarily because he was lying, because she was looking at him and thinking, you got my brother killed. I think that's, I, I really think that's all that was. You got mm-hmm. my brother killed. I don't think she looked at him because he was lying. Okay. I think she was probably looking at him in a different light because he did kill somebody. But also, it, it that was just, that was, that was straight accusing him. Okay. You got my brother okay. killed. Okay. You got All my right. brother killed. I don't want to hear your bullshit. I don't want to hear your apologies. Mm-hmm. You're sitting here and my brother isn't. I'll, That's how I'll, I'll give you I'll give you give you that point because that is a different perspective. And I, I think that both both of us could be right slash wrong <laughs> on that one. But I can see it, I can see it that way. Yeah, but I, I don't think I don't think she's gonna I don't think his family will be in the next episode. I, I think at this point that's the closure that he's gonna get with Lamar's family. And that visit is what's gonna propel him to do what it is he plans to do, which is apparently he's still gonna go after Carla. We see him in the mid-credit scene, and he is creating his own version of the Captain America shield. Again. This is where his delusion comes in. He thinks that he's entitled to that shield. And in his mind, if I can't have the real shield, I'm going to make my own. And he's making it to look exactly like the other shield. But I'm sorry, baby. Your shield ain't going to be vibranium. Mm-hmm. So you need to just let right. that go. But I mean, but we see he's not, he's not, he's not going to fade into the background. And he said that as much to his wife after the hearing. He said, they think I'm just going to, you know, I'm, I'm just going to walk away and just be done. No, he's not that type of person. You know, he... he I mean, how, I, I just don't know what he, what he expects to do with that shield that he got off of Wish. Why, why are you going <laughs> to cut people and probably other damn other supers with a shield that you just welded in your backyard? Like, besides, besides, it took at least three, six weeks to get there. But he keeps saying... He keeps saying, "I am Captain America," you know that 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 is this. He really believes that he is Captain America. He is what they made him to be, and he's going to fulfill that no matter what. But see, that's the other thing that he does not understand. Steve Rogers was Captain America not because they made him that way. He personified that. Oh, yeah. The other yeah. thing, too, and I've said this before and I will continue to say it Steve Rogers never, ever, ever introduced himself as Captain America. Whenever he introduced himself to someone, he was Steve. He was Steve Rogers. He was a boy from, you know, a kid from Brooklyn. His friends gave him the nickname Cap. So whenever I hear people talking about John, walker and they say cap cap no you are not cap you did not earn that nickname you basically took someone else's identity and you absorbed it or tried to absorb it and make it your own you cannot do that you didn't earn that title you didn't earn that nickname you didn't earn that mantle that mantle was given to you from someone who thought they needed someone to represent that and zemo said this and everyone else said there will never be another steve rogers he was Captain America. You can put someone in a suit, you can call them Captain America, but unless they have the same personality or the same compassion, 
the same morals that Steve had, that's not going to be duplicated. You, If you were truly were Captain America, you wouldn't have to consistently tell everyone you are Captain America. He even said it in the hearing. I am Captain America. No, you're not. You never have been. That's part of the problem. You held a title. You did not hold anything else. So, you know, I just, I don't know. He, he can make his little shield. He probably still has his costume. Oh, this is something else. I, I saw this posted on one of the Marvel fan pages. I can't remember which one, but they were talking about the costume. Oh, the white say, thing? No. Yes, yeah. they say if you notice in John Walker's Captain America costume, he has all of the colors except for white in his costume. And according to the meaning of white in the American flag, that is supposed to represent purity. He doesn't have any white in his costume. I was like, oh, that should have been an indicator right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw that and I thought that was very interesting. And I started thinking, well, you know, that's not worth the deep dive because it's just very literal, you know, like you said. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And, and and the thing is, is that the fact that the costume is already more U.S. agent than Cap's costume anyway, I I, I have a problem with the uh, helmet because the helmet is so short in the back that I just, I just, it just irritates me every time I see him wear it because it's not shaped the right way. <laughs> that's, that's just me but the the thing is, is i don't think you could say that john walker ever had any purity or slash innocence to him because as soon as he came back from that first tour in afghanistan i think that if he had any when he went in he left it all on the ground and when he left out of there and i think that lamar because lamar correct me if i'm wrong did have a little bit of white in his uniform he did represent purity slash innocence yeah and we, we, we already see that too, just in the way that he and John Walker interacted. Like whenever John Walker was starting to go off the deep end, mm. Lamar was the one to kind of pull him off the ledge. Right. Lamar was, I think Lamar, you know, we keep talking about John Walker's broken mind and his personality and everything. Lamar was the missing piece of John Walker. You know, I feel like he represented the clarity. He represented maybe the compassion. He represented the the righteousness that John Walker lacks. You know, and and with Lamar being gone and being gone in such a violent way, I I, I think John Walker did snap. You know, he's probably like, oh, this is this is just it. You know. Again, we see more of the friendship between Lamar and John Walker than we do John Walker and his wife. That's why I'm kind of like, his wife is just kind of a dismissed character for me because y'all are just putting her in there, I feel, for optics, as you, as you would say. But Lamar was, the, Lamar was the balance in that relationship. He was the thing that was keeping John Walker sane and keeping him... I, I don't want to say on a tight leash, but I think he, he was the balance for John Walker. He was the one that kind of kept him even, kept him steady, and kept him under control. And now Lamar is gone, and that control is gone. That balance is gone. And not only that, John Walker is 
hell bent on avenging his friend, you know, on, on killing Carly and he's going to try to make it right. What happened to Lamar and what he ended up doing to Nico, he's going to try to find a way to make that right, but he's not going to be able to do that because he doesn't have the right motives in, in, in his mind and in his heart to do that. He's doing it from a place of hate. He's doing it from a place of anger. And again, he's doing it from a place of entitlement. He feels like that title and that shield are his. Not because he earned it. They gave it to him. And so it's his. No, it doesn't belong to you. Even the Contessa told him that shield doesn't belong to the government. She didn't say who it belonged to. But I mean, again, the Wakandans gave it to Cap. Cap gave it to Sam. It belongs to Sam. The Wakandans didn't give it to nobody. That that was some somehow the U.S. government got their hands on the pound of whatever, how many pounds of vibranium it is, and start. No, that's the isn't that the shield to uh, T'Challa gave to Steve? No, we had this conversation before. No. Oh yeah, that you're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. No. I forgot. You're right. You're right. But anyway, after the whole Sam and Bucky conversation, we see Sam and Sarah. They're getting ready to paint over their parents' names on the boat so that they can prep it to to sell. And Sarah changes her mind. We can't sell the boat. We can't. And Sam says, I'm glad you said that. You know, this is our this is our legacy. This is our history. We have to preserve it. And then that's when they get into the conversation about Isaiah Bradley and about the shield. And Sarah says to Sam, so are you going to let Isaiah Bradley get in your head? You know, are you going to let, are you going to let him stop, tell you who you're supposed to be? And Sam says, I don't blame him because if that was my history, you know, if they had done to me what they did to him, I would feel the same way, but I can still, I can still fight. I can still stand up for Like, this is what I think, Anthony, you were saying, we were talking about that whole generational curse Mm -hmm. and and breaking that cycle. And I think at this point, Sam has decided, I'm not going to continue to let this narrative be the narrative that we have to live by. I'm going to make a change and I'm going to do what's right for this shield. And we see Sam start training. He said, what, what will be the purpose of all that pain and sacrifice? If mm-hmm. I don't, I mean, that's the whole point of breaking. If I don't that, stand up and fight, yeah, for breaking it. that generational curse is just you. You just have to move forward. And like those, those people, Isaiah Bradley is not going to spend thirty years in pain for nothing. It has to have mm-hmm. been worth something, and that's mm-hmm. and that's the approach Sam is going to take. Right, and, and we see him. He starts training and. I'm glad that they show us that he's not perfect at it. Like he has to really work for it. And I think that's another thing that I like. And I think that's another reason why Steve chose him because he knew if Sam carries that mantle, Sam is going to do what he needs to do to earn that mantle. Just because Steve gave it to him, it doesn't mean, oh, okay, Steve gave this to me. I am Captain America now. No, Sam knows he has to work at it. And that's, that's a work in progress. And we see him doing that. But I tell you a couple of times when he threw that shield at the trees and it came back at him, I thought he was about to lose his head. Like, 
my daughter and was looking at the TV with her head on, with her hands on her head, like, "Oh my God, that was too close." Yeah, he was kind of close. Okay, he's making me nervous. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Shout out to them, like doing their doing their best best imitation of a Rocky montage with them jogging, doing all the other stuff. I mean, that was I actually enjoyed that, and I was looking really closely because I was like. Can can Anthony mm. Mackie really do all that like cartwheel round offs and stuff? I was like, damn, son. Okay, I was impressed. But the thing that got me the most was when his when he was holding the shield and his nephew traced the top of mm-hmm. the star. That's yes. what he's going yeah. for. That's the cap exactly. that he needs to be. Where someone can just come up to him, approach him, and be like, "Are you Cap?" And it's it's the same thing. It's it's like rep. Like we always say when someone of color reaches a pinnacle that we've never reached before, representation yes. matters. Yes. And it's yes. really important. Like when President Obama became president, when Kamala Harris became mm-hmm. vice president, when you see somebody in a position of power, in a position of importance, in a position of respectability, that makes young people realize that they can reach those heights too. This is a, a very important thing where it shows that Cap taking the mantle will show other other kids that they can do that there are there are heights that they haven't even thought of that mm-hmm. they can reach. So this is really important as far as represent representation. Mm-hmm. That was that was a very touching moment because it's almost like that was his validation that yes, he's doing the right thing. Like when your nephew is touching that shield and he's looking up at you in awe, like this is this is you. Right. You know, it's just kind of one of those things mm-hmm. where it feels like, okay, this is what I'm supposed to do. You know? Yeah. And when I tell y'all at the end of this episode, well, b- before we even get to that, we get we go back to Carly and we, we talked about this. Carly met with Bartrock and they're talking about interrupting the voting for the Patch Act. And so we see that in the episode, Sam gets a call from Torres and Torres tells them, hey, so remember that thing with the app with the flag smashers that we saw? Well, we just saw that same thing in New York. And that's when Sam puts it together that that's where Carly and her her people are going to attack next because the vote is happening in New York. And we see that um, Carly has built up a substantial following in New York. You know, she's in a, she's in a park and she does this little thing with her phone that kind of sets off the notifications to everyone else and they start walking towards her and they focus particularly on one guy in the crowd and he turns out to be one of the security guys that's Mm -hmm. inside the building with the GRC or with the government when they're about to make this um when they're about to make this vote and the lights in the room dim they come back up they're red and the screens are kind of scrambled like somebody is about to take over or broadcast and then that's when we see Sam going to his room and he's opening up the case that the Wakandans uh, gave him. He opens up the case and he's just looking and then the damn show ends. I was like, mm. dude, I was like, I was like y'all, Not y'all can't even give us a little peek. Y'all gonna make us wait a week? I was so mad. See, ten, see, 10 years ago, that would have been okay. But now that we've seen all these movies, 
you could have gave us a screen cap of this just, costume. Just show the two is in the case. Yeah. Just right. a little bit. I mean, we, yeah. we didn't even have to have the whole suit. You could have yeah. just yeah. Yeah. Right. But y'all gonna make us sit here and wonder for a week. Screw y'all, Marvel. We mad. Yeah, that's some bullshit. <laughs> Yeah, yes, but it was so cool. It was so cool because you know what it was. I mean, oh, it was awesome. And I, like I said, I loved every bit of this episode. The good parts, the bad parts, the parts that made me cry, the parts that made me really sad. I got mad a few times. But that last part, I mean, the anticipation. I mean, oh my God, it's penultimate episode. I already know the moment I see him in the suit, whatever the suit looks like, I'm going to nut up. I'm gonna you're lose gonna, my shit. Gonna holla. I'm a holler. Yeah. I'm a holler. I'm just I'm wait. I'm I'm ready for it. But after the episode, after I watched it, and then I found out that there was the mid-credit scene, and that's when we see John Walker making his own shield. I sat there and I thought and I said, We only have one episode left. Like I got excited and then I got depressed in the same breath, like there's only one episode left and then that's it that's over i'm not gonna have sam and bucky on my screen for who knows how long that thought depressed me to they no did, end they did such a good job i mean i right. thought wandavision was pretty darn good this is better which makes me wonder how good is loki gonna be i mean they're just they're just just raising the bar Loki's with each shot Right. And if if Marvel continues to do this, we, we've had this discussion several times. If Marvel continues to do this, I mean, if they can do this with their TV shows as mm-hmm. well as the movies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what do you guys hope to see in the last? Well, I, I, I want to see, this is the only thing, I want to see what is the situation with Sharon and Batrock because yeah. She sent him there, but she has to know that he wants to kill Sam. Right. So how does that work for her? Right. You know, that, that, that's, that's, that's it. I just want to see where, where her storyline is going. Because I don't, see, I don't see her allowing Sam to be killed. Like, I just, there's nothing indicating that she has an issue with Sam on that level. Like, I don't know if she just told that, you know, to keep her cover intact that she just told him, Oh yeah. You know, because I'm sure I'm pretty yeah. sure he said something to her about, Oh yeah, I'll do this for you. If I get the opportunity to kill Falcon, because he told Carly that he was like, I'm not here for your cause. I'm here so I can kill the Falcon, you know? So mm. I'm wondering about that too. Like, okay, Sharon, I need to know exactly what your role is in all of this because I need to know whether or not I need to continue to like you or not. <laughs> I'm just right. I'm just trying to figure out, but I'm I'm hoping, that, I'm hoping, hoping, hoping that it turns out that she is deep undercover and that she is still on the side of good because if mm. she's anything but, I feel like that will taint Peggy Carter's legacy, and I don't want that. Yeah, that's um, all I want. Yeah, and and the the thing, other thing is, someone mentioned something. I don't know if you ever mentioned it. Someone said that when Isaiah was talking about the nurse that helped him, a lot of people were alluding to the fact that that was Peggy Carter. I, you know, I wondered that myself. Yeah, I, I thought I that wondered too. that I myself. I if, that's what, yeah. if that's what was going on. Yeah. Yeah. 
So, yeah, so based upon the, the family history, I'm thinking that she sent him there to deflect what she's really doing because I'm still holding out hope. And I do believe I, I, I'm 80-20, she's power broker. But the other 20% is really rooting for her to really be deep undercover and that she did that so that she wouldn't blow her cover with everyone else because she's obviously surrounded by criminals and she doesn't want to tip her hand. Yeah. Right, right. Um, I really want to, I really want to see, I want, I want, I want to see, I want to see how they're going to end this because the way they end this is going to be really key to everything else that's coming up. I'm wondering if they're going to give us a, mm. give us a little, a little hint towards anything coming up in the, in the Marvel, in the Marvel television matic universe. Like, like, are, is there going to be a, be a hint, another hint towards armor wars or is there like, or is there something else that's gonna come of it? Um, I want, I want to see if I still, I'm still holding out. I don't think they're gonna show anything else from Isaiah Bradley, but I'm wondering what I think would be really cool just to go to Lori's point about them setting up the Young Avengers is that if something mm, happens mm -hmm. to Isaiah, I mean, not some, if something happens to Eli and he needs a blood transfusion. And his grandfather gives him the blood transfusion yep, as yep. the mid as the mid credit scene. Oh, that'd be awesome! I'd be like, okay, see that that would that would tell me that they're really getting ready to set up the um set up Young Avengers. Now that that'd be awesome. That's that's too much like She Hulk and whatnot. So I don't yeah. I, I don't know. I, I think they would just go with it was inherited. Like he just passed it on to his kids and then to his grandchildren. Yeah, I mean, I can see, I can I see think, both sides of it. I, I think they would just do that because they're gonna have to do, um, they're gonna have to repeat the same thing as She Hulk. No. Okay, confession time. Uh oh. I am a huge, huge, huge She Hulk fan. Like that's like my favorite person besides Spider Woman. I mean, she's like so. a, she's like a green Wonder Woman, so of course you like. Her. Oh, she's much more than that. <laughs> just... She's a hot mess. <laughs> She's a hot mess. She, well, we won't go into bouncing between certain people. But anyway, uh, she's a hot mess. I can't get enough of her. Yeah. We've got that one to look forward to because they've started, um, I think they've started filming yeah. that Which one. I, hope they between people. <laughs> I, can't, I can't wait to see the law office that they have her in because that's going to, that, that in, by itself is just fun. Um, but yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, just to go back a little bit, I was when Val came when the, um, Val came in because she did say to call her Val instead of Valentina Allegra de Fontana Contessa, but it's a banana fan of Contessa, whatever her name was. <laughs> um, when she came in, um, she had she had these blue tinted glasses on, and for some reason they gave me they, they kind of reminded me of the glasses that Tony Stark had on, like when he was with. Mm. And I was like, I was wondering if there was something, if if that was if that was actually some kind of classes tech like like Tony had, like where she's in communication with whoever it is, like the power broker. Um, so I was looking forward to that. Um, she, once again, shout out to Bucky for having Jungle Fever and having Black and not going back. Good job, man. Um, also, that trip, the trip to New Orleans was just. I was way more that was way better than I expected it to be. I mean, like you said, the one-liners that they had, like when, when um, 
when Bucky like stopped the stopped the hose from hissing, and Sam was like, "Why didn't you use the metal arm?" He was like, "I don't always think of it immediately. I'm right-handed." Yeah, that was, I was funny. Like, that was hilarious. I was like, "All right," and then the when then the second day when they were when he he went down there and helped them take apart the um take apart the water cooler the coolant system, and his sister came up and said, "What are y'all doing?" And and she like cuts my and she said, "Look." What you say? I don't. I don't go go up into the sky and tell you how to barrel roll. <laughs> right. Like, <laughs> and then, of course, he he has the best line ever. He says to Bucky, he says, "Don't flirt with my sister again." He goes, "I'll have Carlos cut you." I was rolling. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Speaking of speaking of that, when I first heard when when they first went back and when Bucky they they say he, he called them Tommy and Carlos, and I was like, is that? I was wondering if that was like kind of a sly. A sly reference to Tommy Smith and John Carlos, the two guys who raised the raised the black fist at the '68 Olympics. Oh, nice oh, catch! Good catch. Mm. I was like, "That's with those two names together." I was like, "Okay, yeah, I can see that." Okay. So, I was like, "Yeah, that's pretty cool." Um, uh, let's see. Did I have anything else? I don't think I had anything. Yeah, but it was funny when Sharon came to fuss them out about work working with the coolant. You know, Sam is telling him what to do, and Bucky puts it down. He's like, "Nope, told you." And she starts fussing. He's like, "Yes, yeah, Samuel." He was like, "Hi." I, I was like, "This is just." I mean, just, this, I mean, just suave Bucky. Like, where does suave Bucky come from? He's like, "I like heck? you." He's like, "Hi." Like, hello. How you doing? Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, there were some some nice funny moments in this episode too, and like I said, you get to see Bucky being normal for a change, and I love that. You know, anytime, also, anytime I can see Sebastian Stan smile, I'm good. Yeah, um, real quick, I think when Val Val also said that she knew that he took she knew that he took the super serum, so that means she has someone she knows someone way high up. So and she said that him taking the serum has made him very, very valuable to certain people. So I'm thinking I'm I'm I, I might have to retract my thoughts about them catching him and using his blood to use using his blood to extract another super serum. So I I'm I'm re- I'm I'll I'll hold off and I'll I'll be ready to apologize when they do that. So I've decided to post that on, on another watch. Mm-hmm. So they good job, hon. <laughs> Oh, I think we've I think we've got gotten everything out of our system. I, I just think at this point, just bring us the last episode and give us a view of the super suit, damn it. We want to see the suit. Where is Sam's super suit? <laughs> and on that note, we are concluding this episode. You can find us online at www.fandomhybrid.com. We are on social media on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Fandom Hybrid. You can listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and other major podcast streaming platforms. Thanks for listening. We hope you join the conversation next time. Bye.